I thought that was at Ho-Oh, like the Pokemon. That's where the Japanese Pokemon came from, is from this mythological firebird. Awesome. Could just be proof that Pokemon are canon in the Harry Potter universe. <laughs> 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 <What>? <laughs> I'm sure there's fan fiction about that. Oh my god. I'm Alexis. I'm Mallory. And this is Newcast. It's been a while. It's been a long while. Um, we are still running a podcast, um, in case yeah. any of you wondered. We just uh, <laughs> both didn't do anything about it for the past two months. <laughs> <laughs> well, today's topic, we are going to be talking about the new edition of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, the textbook that has come out in this past month. Mally brought hers with us today during our recording, and it looks beautiful, guys. It's really nice. Like, the cover is kind of, I don't know how to just, it's kind of like a leathery texture, but it's hardcover, and there's, like, gold Lots on it. Lots of things, like, embellished in it, Yeah, it's really pretty. I like it a lot. I really do. I think it's a good update. I feel like it, it feels more real. Mm-hmm. First, let's go into Potter Watch, the news for the past <laughs> two months. So, forewarning, I have not read any of this, so Mallory will be surprising me, I'm sure. In Cursed Child news, in the last performance of the original cast of Cursed Child, Rose kissed Scorpius. What? Yeah. When? Okay, I know when. What? (laughs) (laughs) Apparently they just did it as like a farewell thing on their own, like, hey, we're going to make this happen. And I think there may... There might be video floating around somewhere. Oh. We'll have to, I, if there is, I haven't seen it, but. I kind of want to look that up right now. <laughs> okay, well, while you're doing that, <laughs> um, Cursed Child will be opening in Broadway, United States, in spring of 2018 at the Lyric Theater in New York City, which sounds really far away when you say spring of 2018, but that's this coming spring. So I'm going to try my darndest to go to that. Um, in our last episode, we were complaining that Pottermore seemed to have dropped off the face of the planet and wasn't doing much, and they've made up for it and come up with a bunch of new stuff. Um, first and foremost, they released a very cute, nostalgia-inducing video for the oh, that was so cute you know, for the twentieth anniversary of Philosopher's Stone being published. Um, there are a lot of other sites that did stuff to celebrate that. You know, Facebook had their cool thing where you could type in a word and it would change color and you could click on it for a little magical animation and J.K. Rowling tweeted about it and a lot of people responded and it was just kind of a fun celebration. It's weird to think that it's been 20 years. I mean, I guess it's been 18 since I actually started reading it, but that's still a long time. Yeah, yeah, no, it has been. I really appreciated that video too. Mm-hmm. Even though it was like mostly for mobile, that kind of made me sad that they didn't have a wider version, but... For the most part, I really liked it. <laughs> You're such a media person. <laughs> I love it. Because I've just done both. Anyway. <laughs> also on Pottermore, there was a little tidbit of information that um, Harry Potter's great-grandfather was also named Harry Potter, although his given name was Henry. Um, apparently, this was during the time of World War One. He was very outspoken um, against the ministry of that time, of the policy, the policy they had of not helping out the Muggle efforts in World War One, and um, he got in some trouble with that, and it got him kicked out of the "quote unquote" Sacred Twenty Eight, which is like the families considered officially pure blood at the time. 
So she thought that was kind of like, cool. Oh, I guess you're like, not yeah. pure blood. <laughs> you're not pure blood anymore because we you want to help out the muggles. <laughs> it was kind of obnoxious, though, because every clickbaity site ever took this and ran with it and was like, there's two Harry Potters. J.K. Rowling drops a bombshell. And oh, my it's, gosh. It was not. It was my just... My least favorite thing about oh the internet. Oh, my gosh. Our clickbait so articles funny. about Harry Potter. <laughs> That are misleading and false. They're like, you'll never believe her. You've never heard of this. And I'm like, I guarantee you I have. <laughs> it's like anytime someone posts something on your wall and you're just like, I've, I've, seen, I I've seen it. <laughs> that was like my entire Early 2009. Like that's about the time that that was big. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, Pottermore has also created a official Wizarding World book club in which they're going to be talking about a different theme related to Harry Potter each week and like going through... The chapters one at a time. Um, So this first week's theme is Magic and the Muggle World, which is actually going to be discussed today at 6 p.m. on Twitter. Today being June 30th. Yeah, today being June 30th. Um, And this will let you know how long it takes me to edit these things. (laughs) Officially. So mark your calendars. We'll see when this actually gets released. No. I kind of like the idea of there being sort of one central book club where people can come and talk about it. I don't love that they're doing it on Twitter. Yeah. Because I've had Harry Potter discussions on Twitter, and it's hard because the 140 character limit really limits how much you can say and like how clearly you can say it and how you can keep track of the conversation yeah. because different threads out. branch out. And then if you want to go back and find something someone said, you got to do a ton of like clicking back and trying to find it. Right. That's so true. I don't know how well this is going to work, and I kind of wish they had set up a forum on. Pottermore for this purpose, kind of like they had little comment sections on the chapters in Pottermore when you would go through and find the stuff and whatever. I feel like that would have been a lot more effective, but who knows? I mean, I think it's probably harder to pull people into a forum setting who aren't used to it than it is to just go where the people are, which is Twitter. That is true. Even though these discussions may not be as deep or as interesting, there will be more people discussing. So, I don't know about you, I'm probably not going to be participating in this per se, but I might be scrolling through and looking for fodder for us to actually discuss in more depth. Yeah, yeah. Okay, moving on to Fantastic Beasts news. Uh, The script for Fantastic Beasts 2 is finished. It's complete, ready to go. So, that's exciting. Woohoo! There was an open casting call. They're going to be casting Teenage Dumbledore and Grindelwald, which are supposed to be like 16, 17, so like still in Hogwarts. They're also casting a young Newt and Lita Lestrange, which are supposed to be like 12 or 13. And a new character called Sebastian, which I kind of just assume is a friend of theirs in Hogwarts, because they said it was also an early teen. But it just sounds like a Slytherin. <laughs> Sebastian. Not? I don't yeah. know. It, just felt, it feels very Slytherin-esque. Yeah, it does. It's going to be Lita's boy that she leaves Newt for. Mm. You heard it here first. This is a, this is my theory. <laughs> they also have made another casting. Callum Turner has been cast as Theseus Scamander, which is Newt's brother. Um, he's pretty unknown actor. I looked him up. He's just got like some small roles in a few things and nothing that I had seen. So we will be interested to see how he does with that. Okay. Interesting. Um, I like it. I like the the smaller actor. Yeah. Choice. Much, much more than Grindelwald. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
On Twitter, upon asked it by a fan, J.K. Rowling said that Newt's Patronus is, quote, a big spoiler. What could that possibly mean? I've been trying to think of ways that someone's Patronus could be a spoiler other than someone that they're in love with. But I feel like... It's a phoenix, and he becomes Dumbledore's phoenix. (laughs) You heard it here first. (laughs) I'm full of theories. I love it. Like, I mean... In the original Harry Potter books, the whole Snape's Patronus thing was a spoiler because it revealed that he was in love with Lily. But Mm. anyone who's read Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them knows that Newt marries Tina. So the fact that he's in love with her isn't really a spoiler unless she's trying to just be more mysterious than necessary. Maybe his Patronus has to do with Lita. We're not supposed to know anything about her. Maybe. I'm really curious now. Eddie Redmayne said that his Patronus is a Basset Hound, which I think is adorable. That's precious. Because everything about him is adorable. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he could have said, my Patronus is an inchworm, and I've been like, cute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my Patronus is a flesh-eating slug. Oh. Okay, let's move on to our miscellaneous news. Um, Harry Potter, A Journey Through a History of Magic um, is a little book that's going to be coming out, going along with the British Library's exhibition titled Harry Potter, A History of Magic. Um, And it's going to have some never-before-revealed manuscript pages and sketches from J.K. Rowling. So I don't know if that's something that's going to be readily available to the public, but I assume that someone who goes to this, if it's not, is going to take pictures or scans or something and let us all see it because I can't go to the British Library. I, I don't know about you. <laughs> the new house editions of the Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone slash Philosopher's Stone have been released. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't have a copy. I'm planning on getting the Ravenclaw one, but I haven't done it. Which is dumb of me because it was released on my birthday and I should have gotten it as a birthday what? present to myself and what? I just spaced it. But according to people who have gotten a hold of the Hufflepuff and the Ravenclaw versions, professors Flitwick and Sprout used to date. So so is that in the book now? Did they like change the I don't book? know. I think it I'm hoping that it's just like a little insert okay. type thing. Right. Um but I haven't all seen these, any the Philosopher's Stone has been rewritten for every <laughs> single house oh according gosh. to a character in that house. Ugh. Gryffindor has not changed a bit. <laughs> I would love that. That would be really funny. <laughs> sucks for you, Gryffindor people. Yeah, sucks to be Gryffindor. You've gotten all the merch all this year, so now you get to suffer while the rest of us get cool new stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I want my Justin Finch Fletchley based Harry Potter series. <laughs> That's all I want. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> He's so pompous. He's so funny. <laughs> So, yeah, if anyone else has these new additions and has any tidbits for us, please send them our way and let us know what format these are included. I've tried to find, I mean, I didn't do very extensive Mm -hmm. research, but I tried to find the way in which they're included and I didn't see anything. I just saw people talking about the fact that Sprout and Flitwick used to date and Uh don't anymore, but are still good friends. And I thought that was cute. Yeah. So I think it makes sense. I like it. Yeah. And also, I just want to give a shout-out to our favorite uh, now professional Quidditch player, Alexis Kagi, who made it into the Salt Lake City Hive and is now a major league Quidditch player. (laughs) I think that's so cool. Yeah, it's fun. That was really fun so far. How's it going? 
Good. We had one series. Uh, next weekend we'll have another series. I'm not going to that one now. But our first one, I was able to play three out of the four available positions. Nice. <laughs> I started off as beater, and then they decided to only put two male beaters in for a certain reason. And so then I went in as a chaser because they didn't have enough subs for the female yeah. chaser line. So I went in as chaser, and <laughs> at one point I was almost given the keeper headband because Connor got carded. <laughs> <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> That's my brother. I mean, what? <laughs> I love Connor. <laughs> so he was going to give it to me, but then he gave it to someone else. I was kind of disappointed. Aww. And then I also went in as a seeker to, like, guard the, the snitch from getting caught from the other team. Uh-huh. While our, our snake seeker rested because we were too far behind. So nice. I got to seek, chase, and beat. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. It was really fun. All right. Let's get back into the suitcase. Uh, our main segment today, of course, the new Fantastic Beast edition. Um, I do like the the very first bullet point you put here about it being the wizards only edition, so it's not uh, it's not for muggles, but we see exactly what they mean by the muggles. Yeah, and it's not as the first one was supposed to be a reproduction of Harry's personal copy, so there's right. no vandalism in there. The little this book belongs to in the beginning is blank. Mm-hmm. It feels like a new school book as opposed to just yeah. Like one that's been used for years and passed down. It does. There's no um, claw marks on the front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's a bit more like they're trying to push it towards like realistic and less playful. I feel like we're losing a bit of the whimsicality of the early books, like that claw mark, which obviously yeah. is not a thing, right? It's just, I feel like it's it's an interesting shift that I think is very representative of how, I don't know if the fandom is changing it so much as the franchise. Mm-hmm. They're trying to shift into like, oh, we're in adulthood now. Especially since like the majority of the core, like most rabid fan base are adults now. Right. So, yeah, kind of... So it's less goofy, less fun, and more just, like, it's possible. I don't know. As far as other formatting changes, they also, um, the typeface is a little bigger, and they've separated all of the Beast entries into sort of separate, quote-unquote, chapters by letter of the alphabet. So the book is a little bit longer, even though it's not really content-wise more, mm-hmm. a ton more information. Mm-hmm. There's also no forward by Dumbledore, and it's been replaced by a forward by Newt Scamander. But he does reference a forward by Dumbledore. Yeah. They, they do reference the original. They do. But, yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. Because it wasn't the Dumbledore one just out of place time-wise, because Dumbledore would have died. Yeah. So it's just interesting that they kept that. We talked about this before when right. we were talking about how much it bugged me that they tried to make this sort of like realistic in the sense that you're muggles and you're reading this book. But the problem is, we're also muggles who read the Harry Potter stories, so if you're going to try and make it a real-life thing with one set of books that are within this universe, you should have done it with all of them. And since you didn't, doing it with this one and, like, mentioning J.K. Rowling by name, Uh doing all that, it really, like I said, it breaks the spell. So now I feel like they're kind of trying to, like, just reinforce that a little bit, but it's flimsy and obvious, but it's also not any more flimsy and obvious than it was in the first one. So I feel like I can't complain too much. So Newt's forward. It has handwritten at the top to appear only in the Four Wizards version. And it references the old version saying that, like, they only released it for muggles because they wanted to raise money for this great charity and everything, which is all fine, but it just doesn't quite work. Right. I almost wish it was more like a... I'm a muggle and I got my hands on this copy of a magical book. Exactly. That, and that would make it feel more special because it's like, oh, we're 
not supposed to have our hands on this, but yeah. we do, and we get a peek into this secret world. Right, right. And I feel like that would fit in with the novels better, too. This way, maybe it's more for the marketing part of, like, this is for charity. Like, yeah. even our character recognizes it's for charity. I don't know. I feel like that's probably the case, but writing-wise, yeah. I don't think it works as well. He does reference the Fantastic Beasts movie, not by calling them movies, but saying that secret documents <laughs> yeah. of the Ministry of Magic have recently been declassified, so the Wizarding World knows a little bit more about his involvement with Grindelwald, which I, I did enjoy that. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was kind of funny. I thought it was very interesting. I might be getting ahead of us, but he said that he was the first person ever to capture Gellar Grindelwald. Yeah, that surprised me. I can me. confirm that. I'm like, so you're the first... Who's next? <laughs> Upon reflection, I realized that I had no basis for this, but I had assumed that at the beginning of this first film, Grindelwald had recently escaped from uh, somewhere. Uh-huh. Because there are all those newspaper f- clippings flashing around like, Grindelwald's at large, and then he disappeared, where'd he go? But I guess it could be just that he was Maybe on he a rampage and then disappeared. Yeah. So His first outburst. Yeah. I don't know. I had just assumed that he had been captured before, and I guess that's not the case. He says that he is not in a position to f- tell the full story about Grindelwald because of the official Magical Secrets Act and also just not wanting to betray Dumbledore's trust, which again is confusing because if it's supposed to be taking place in 2017 that he's writing this, then Dumbledore is dead, in which case when is he writing this? But Because he references 2001. Dumbledore's already dead by then. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it could just be, like, honor his trust even though he's passed on. Right, right. But then he says, like, oh, there's going to be more documents declassified over the coming years, which is a reference to the movies. Right. And that makes me worried. Are they going to release yet another edition of this book? Because there's still the illustrated Uh, one that's going to come out. Oh, jeez. And I doubt they would do one for every single film, but it wouldn't surprise me if they did another one after all of them have come out. They need to stop. (laughs) Yeah, it seems a little overdone. For some reason, I feel more and more sort of anxious that they won't be able to release five movies and have everyone interested in all five. Because I don't feel like the first one has, like, lived quite as long as, like, the original Harry Potter movies, like, did after they were released. I just, the way that all other... I know this isn't a book-to-film adaptation, but it sort of has that feel of it, right? Yeah. And the way that other book-to-film adaptations have gone in the last few years, like, we haven't had a success since Hunger Games, really. Like, even the Divergent movie series, like, they're not even making the last movie. Yeah, they kind of flopped. Yeah, so it's just very interesting to me, and I'm just, like, very nervous that they won't be able to finish them all, but I should have more faith in my my author. Yeah. On the one hand, it does feel iffy, but on the other hand, this is one of the biggest franchises in the world, and they've got the money to do it, so... Yeah, that's true. Who knows? Oh, boy, oh, boy. I thought it was very interesting that he did, like, try to explain away the fact that there were no American creatures in the original. Yeah. Because I know something that you had a big beef with him about. I did. He does say, like, at President Pickery's request, I made no mention of the more important American magical creatures in the first edition because she wanted to deter wizarding sightseers. Which, like I said, it's flimsy and it's an obvious excuse, but it's also, like, not any worse than the stuff they put in the first one. At least so. it's mentioned, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. And it at least they addressed like, it. Yeah, it, oh, we didn't notice that that was an issue. I don't know. Yeah, I have a rant about this, but I'm going to save it for the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. He mentions in this that Rita Skeeter wrote a book about him, 
called Manor Monster, The Truth About Newt Scamander, which I want to read. I love Rita Skeeter. She's one of my favorite characters, not because she's a likable person, but because everything J.K. Rowling comes up with for her is hilarious. It's incredible. I mean, the first time you read the books, obviously, it's incredibly frustrating because she's causing strife and problems and hurting poor Harry's feelings and making everything terrible, but... But then her it's, anyway. it's also like the stuff she comes up with is so ridiculous, and yet it's so accurate to the real world. Like Some tabloid. of the stuff you see that come, yeah. Uh-huh. Like I, the first thing that popped into my head was the story about um, Hillary Clinton adopting an alien baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite things in the world. Oh my god! And it's exactly the sort of thing that Rita Skeeter would write. Like, yeah. Dumbledore adopts a mutant. Uh-huh. Mer child or something. My word. <laughs> and you make a great Rita Skeeter, too. She dressed oh, up as Rita yes. for Halloween. I dressed up as her, yeah. It was incredible. It was fun. I loved it. I loved it so much. <laughs> I dressed up as her when we went to see Fantastic Beasts, too. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So anyway, he addresses it briefly just to say that she claims that he was never a magi zoologist, but actually a spy for Dumbledore that was trying to infiltrate Makuza, which he says, well, that was would be stupid because... Anyone who's interested in magical creatures was considered suspect and dangerous, and it was not a profitable thing to be in. Part of me feels like it's a little uncharacteristic of Newt to even care that things are being spread out about him. Yeah. So it's just interesting to me that he'd be like, that was stupid. This isn't true. It's (laughs) like, does he even care if it is true or not? Like, I don't know. It's just like... Especially since at this point he's super old. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He also <laughs> says that she called him the love rat who left Seraphina Pickery heartbroken. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that image. And he says that's also not true because she basically was like, either you leave the country or I'm kicking you out. Mm-hmm. So that was also not true. He did mention while he was talking about this, though, that there was a curse to kill policy on all magical creatures at the time, which does explain to a degree why so many people in the Fantastic Beast film don't know anything about these creatures, okay, yeah. but I feel it still doesn't excuse Tina, who works in the ministry and whose job it would be to at least know about these creatures and get them under control. Yeah. So, again, it was an attempt, and it's not perfect, but at least they, like, addressed things. Right. Uh, shall we move on to the new creature entries? Yeah, sure. Was I wrong in remembering that they originally announced that there were only going to be five new creatures? I feel like that's true, but I don't remember. Well, there are six, (laughs) so I'm pleased. They should have just done all of them, because I don't see the point, but there are six of them. Um, The first one, I just went alphabetically, is the hide behind, which I was so excited they put in, because that's my favorite of the new (laughs) ones, because it's so creepy. It is really creepy. Um, And the backstory is super cool. Yeah, it's actually uh, talking about Pokemon earlier. (laughs) (laughs) It felt like they went to the Pokemon, like daycare center or whatever and they just like sprouted a new Pokemon with like two different Pokemon. I don't know, I just felt very much like that. I love it. So the backstory that they gave for the hide behind is that it was an accidentally created creature that is a hybrid of a demiguise and a ghoul created by this guy named Phineas Fletcher who was a smuggler and trader of banned creatures and items. I can only assume since his last name is Fletcher that he's an ancestor of Mundungus Fletcher who is also a thief and a general outlaw. I did not even make that connection but that's that's exactly where it comes from. Yeah. Um, so he was on a ship, and the demi guys escaped, and apparently got it on with a ghoul, <laughs> which is 
creepy as heck. Uh-huh. And then that creature escaped and went off into the wilds of Massachusetts and reproduced somehow. And now there are hide-behinds, which are a real American, you know, folklore thing, but that's the backstory that she gives to it. Mm-hmm. They uh, do prefer to eat humans because of the abuse they went through for from the Phineas Fletcher deed, which is sad, Yeah, but there you have it. And she says, in appearance, they are tall, silver-haired creatures that look like a skinny bear by people who've seen them, and they are nocturnal and can turn invisible, which I like slightly less than the concept, the original concept of they just have the supernatural power to hide behind anything instead of just turning invisible, but whatever. (laughs) Uh, The next one is the hodag, which I was really surprised that they put in because that's like the weird Wisconsin frog dog (laughs) thing. Wait, I forgot what it looks like. I'm looking it up. Yeah, that was the one. Kodak Country Festival. Yeah. Oh my gosh. If you remember our previous episode when we were discussing the Ilvermorny story and we talked about this, I had a lot of the backstory of these creatures and this one was really funny because it was just a hoax that some guy (laughs) came up with and it's pretty hilarious. But now it's like a big thing in this certain area of Wisconsin. Like it's the mascot for their high school and yeah. So according to this book, it is the size of a large dog and has horns, long fangs, and red glowing eyes. The horns, when powdered, make people immune to alcohol and able to go without sleep for seven days and seven nights. Just hilarious. And is that from Scooby-Doo? Yes! (laughs) She's looking at pictures of Hodag on Google right now, and apparently it was featured in Scooby-Doo at one point. Looks like a newer version of Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. That's so funny. Its main preferred food is moon calves, which makes me sad because they're so cute. It likes to attract a lot of attention, so the Department of Misinformation has had to put a lot of work into framing the hodag as a hoax, and they have now confined them mostly to a protective habitat in Wisconsin. Now I wish I got you this for your birthday, a hodag for president sticker. (laughs) That would have been great. That'd be awesome. I'd put it on my car. Yes. (laughs) A horned serpent? I thought it was very interesting that there are multiple species around the world. I can't remember what exactly you know about that, but... When I was researching them, the horned serpent specifically was talked about mostly in Native American folklore. Right. But they did mention concepts of the same creature being in Chinese folklore, Japanese Mm -hmm. folklore, Western European in some places. But it was the sort of thing where you could, I mean, like translation and everything, you couldn't say, yes, this is the exact same idea. But it was a similar concept. So she sort of wrote them together. There's different kinds of... There are different kinds of horned serpents around the world. Some have yeah. been to extinction. And the U.S. or the North American continent is has the most diverse and largest group of them. The one we read about in Ilvermorny has large jewel on its forehead, which is like the, I want to say, crown jewel of serpents. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's the most impressive, I guess, type of horned serpent. And it gives the power of invisibility and flight, which is interesting. And I wonder, because she used the horn of it, right? The yeah. Horn. So uh-huh. that doesn't have as power as the jewel does, though. Okay. Yeah. The next one mentioned is the Snallygaster, which is a part bird, part reptile, later discovered to be a relative of the Alchemy, but people used to think that it was a type of dragon. I really liked this one, because there's this whole story about, like, since 1949, there's been a dedicated Snallygaster Protection League <laughs> that is stationed permanently in Maryland to obliviate muggles who see it. And it has made me, like, think of the questions, like, how long do these creatures live for? Yeah. And, like, how many are there? And, like, do they, like, are their population growing? Is it, like, shrinking? We don't know anything about this, but besides the fact that only in Maryland we have this protection league 
because apparently they're naturally curious and difficult to scare away or kill. Um, so they're really hard to keep a secret from muggles because they pretty much love the attention, mm-hmm. which I think is hilarious. And um, we discussed this in our Ilvermorny episode, too, but there are, like, barns with Snallygaster symbols in Maryland, and, like, it's a big thing over there. They do have serrated steel fangs and a bulletproof hide, so they would be pretty scary. Uh, next up is the Thunderbird, which we got to see in the film, so obviously that was going to be in there. Right, so we already know that it lives in Arizona, mostly large can create storms as it flies um but the thing that's interesting to me and maybe we already knew this but it's so sensitive to supernatural danger that ones created with its feathers have been known to fire curses preemptively i think that's so interesting me too i think this is a lot about thunderbird as a house yes more than anything else um especially that you're firing curses preemptively i think that's very different thing just spells or just protection of like i don't know it just just says a lot about sort of like a fiery nature Mm -hmm. of a person and we did see in the film that, like, the Frank the Thunderbird was sensing danger and right, yeah. everything, but I really enjoyed that tidbit of the wands, because anything about wand lore immediately sparks my interest. <laughs> anything about house lore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you call it lore. Anything about houses. <laughs> I love it. The last one that is a new entry in here is the Wampus Cat, which is also an Ilvermorny house. Three out of four have been mentioned in this book. <laughs> Which is, it makes sense. Pukwudgies are more human than yeah. creature. Or I would imagine they would be classified as beings rather right. than beasts. Right, right. But the wampus cat is like a cougar, but its yellow eyes can hypnotize people and read minds. It can walk on its hind legs and outrun arrows. And it can it outrun curses, though? I, mm. I was in, intrigued by or the bullets. choice of words there, because obviously since it was the Cherokee, it says who like, know the most about them, and right. they live in the same area and everything. That would be the reference that they had is outrunning arrows, but right. I don't know how fast an arrow goes. <laughs> yeah, what about a bullet? I don't know. Are they endangered? Um, it doesn't say. I think they do only live in like this particular area so mm-hmm. i mean they're very dangerous so it'd be mm-hmm. kind of hard to mm-hmm. get your hands on one but this also goes into wand lore yeah it mentions that the cherokee are the only ones who've ever been able to get a hold of its hair for use as a wand cord which first of all i want to know if they ever bothered trying this before the european wizards showed up and were like hey you teach us your cool nonverbal magic stuff and potion stuff and we'll teach you how to make wands And maybe if they did that before that, they used it and they just didn't like the results. Or if they only bothered with it after the white settlers showed up. Um, And I also want to know what characteristics a wampus hair wand would have. Because, I mean, we've seen from pretty much every other wand core that it's going to give it certain traits. So I want to know what they would be for wampus cat, especially since it is an Ilvermorny house. It would give us more insight into that. I wonder if it's like, gives you more power to read minds or block your mind. Maybe, like... Better occlumency uh-huh. and legitimacy. I like this theory. I'm going to run with it until we come up with something better. Okay. Which we won't because it's really good. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, it also gives a little story of a guy named Abel Treetops of C- Cincinnati who scammed people by in- putting an engorgement charm on measles into thinking that he had tamed wampus cats to act as guards to wizarding houses, but he was busted. Oh my gosh. Is it me or is the name Abel just very American? Well, I mean, it is biblical, as in Cain and Abel. That's true. I don't know why. I think probably just because it's often used by, like, Amish and Mennonite Mm -hmm. and just, like, you know, you'd see it in Puritans Puritans. and everything, and that just all feels very American. So Okay. 
because I'm a bitter person, <laughs> I went through and made a list of all the magical creatures that we know about in this universe that were not included in this book. Which are there are a lot of them, and some of them are a bit of a stretch because they're not like in the books. But yeah, so first is the bicorn, which we know exists because it's an, its horn is an ingredient for Polyjuice Potion. In mythology, it's a dangerous cow-like creature with two horns that eats devoted husbands. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. Devoted husbands? Yep. Devo- like the good not, ones? not disloyal husbands or anything. <laughs> devoted ones. And I forget the name of it, but there was like a counterpart creature in the mythology that eats loyal and devoted wives. The tricorn? <laughs> it was like unrelated to horns or anything, but I thought that was really funny. Well. Like, don't be loyal to your spouse or this creature is going to come eat you. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but... Maybe it's an excuse mended for, like, oh, I can't be that loyal or else the bike is going to come and eat me. That is probably it. <laughs> Alexis is a genius. Um, blast-ended scroots are not mentioned, which this one at least makes sense because either Hagrid created them illegally and <laughs> they're not, like, an official creature that's going to be included and all of that, or... I also thought, you know, maybe Hagrid didn't create them illegally. Maybe the Ministry commissioned him to create these nasty creatures to use in the Triwizard Tournament. Because they clearly do know about their existence since it is included in the maze. But Hagrid never got busted or in trouble for it. So maybe they did commission him to do it. But I could see them still not including it in here because it hasn't been that long or something and it's not like a well-established creature or maybe they just killed them all afterward. I, just, I can't see the ministry going to Rubius Haggard of all people and being like, hey, hey. can you do us a favor? <laughs> you want to do that thing you're always trying to do and like illegally, illegally crossbreed extremely dangerous magical creatures? I can see them sort of looking for like things to put in the maze like, oh, this maze is too easy and they go to Haggard like, do you have anything? It's like, oh, do you... <laughs> Do you want to yeah. know? <laughs> I had always kind of assumed that Hagrid had just created them and then Dumbledore just used his influence to be like, we have these creatures. <laughs> Don't know where they came from, but they're super scary if you want to use yeah, them in the maze. It's the forbidden forest, am I right? <laughs> um, all sorts of shenanigans go on in there. We have no idea. It probably just happened on its own. Yeah. <laughs> and then Hagrid got hold of them. Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, um, there's the cockatrice. Which is a little bit confusing because in some translations of the Harry Potter books, Cockatrice and Basilisk are interchangeable. The Basilisk in Chamber of Secrets is translated as Cockatrice, and in mythology they are very similar creatures. And also in the Polish version of the Harry Potter books, in the Polish version of the Harry Potter books, Basilisk is translated as Ochmi. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which I think it was just for lack of a better word. Yeah. They are clearly actually different creatures within this universe because Goblet of Fire mentions that in 1792, the Triwizard Tournament required the competitors to capture a cockatrice. And I'm pretty sure they would not require anyone to capture a basilisk. No. (laughs) Especially because it would kill anyone who looks at it. Right. So, but it says it resembles a rooster with a lizard's tail. This one is a little bit flimsy, but the Catalonian Fireball which would be from, like, Spain. It was a breed of dragon that is mentioned on J.K. Rowling's notes about the book Dragon Breeding for Pleasure and Profit, which Hagrid checks out, um, and that's just on her website. And the same goes for the next one, which is the Portuguese Long Snout, which is apparently a breed of dragon with light green scales and black eyes. There are a whole bunch of these that were mentioned in this Pottermore article, which I can't remember when it came out, but it was this Daily Prophet article that Ginny Weasley had, well, Ginny Potter at that point, had written about... 
the 2014 Quidditch World Cup and all of these mascots that different countries had brought along that were magical creatures had caused this huge uproar. So the first one is the... Curupiras. You should take this one. <laughs> it's Brazilian. <laughs> it's red-haired, forest-dwelling Brazilian dwarves with backwards-facing feet. <laughs> and that made me think of what's-his-name-the-goblin in Fantastic Beast. So I'm like, what if he's a relative? Oh. And that's why he has backwards fingers. I hate his fingers Ooh, me so too. much. So they were mentioned in that article. They're protective of other magical creatures. So if that's the case, that's a terrible Curupiras because... He should have been protecting Newt and his magical creatures. I'm just saying. <laughs> in the article, it mentioned that they got involved because there were two of the other countries' creatures that got into a fight. And then when the wizards tried to stop them, the Kurupiras thought that the wizards were trying to attack them. So then they attacked the wizards. Oh, and, yeah, boy. It was a big thing. There's the Dukuwaga. Yes. That was the Fiji mascot. Mm-hmm. And it is a shapeshifter that can change from a shark to a man and back. That one might be a being. These mascots are very suspicious. Yes. So I don't know if that is why it would not be included. It was also just, you know, very obscure. The hoo or ho depending on how you pronounce it. It's a Pokemon. Yes, it's a Pokemon. Um, it's a Japanese firebird that's probably a species of phoenix, but it's mentioned in the same article as being the Japanese mascot, and they presented an egg or a chick. They presented a hoo-hoo or ho, <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it, chick to the U.S. team when they played against each other in that World Cup. So at least that one was not involved in the craziness. But there's also the Sasabonsams, which I probably butchered the pronunciation, so my apologies. But it's a Nigerian one that they brought, and it's a vampiric creature with spindle legs Ooh. and super creepy sounding. Again, could be beings. We don't know anything about it. There is the Selma, which was the Giant Norwegian. Yes, the Norwegian people brought it, and this is the one that caused the fight. Um, <laughs> it was transported to a lake along with the Fijian Dukuwaka, and the Norwegian creature was used to cold water, but the Fiji, the Fijian one was not. So it like started freaking out, and then the two creatures that were in the same lake started fighting, and it was... What bad. caused the whole uproar? The but apparently, also man-eating. So that yeah, it's a vicious man-eating creature. Problematic. So yeah, it was an issue. We know about flesh-eating slugs because Hagrid goes to buy flesh-eating slug repellent because they're ruining school cabbages. We don't hear anything about those ones. We know about the jackalope because it was mentioned in the Ilvermorny story. I love the jackalope. <laughs> and we also know about swooping evil, which was in the movie but not included. Which, I mean, I guess you could make the excuse that he was still in researching them, but that was then. Right. This is now. Right. He should have enough information now, especially it's when he has one years. in his possession. It's been 90 years. It's been a long it's been time. 97 years. So, and then like we said, it's also worth mentioning that the Pukwaji was not included, but that one is most likely because it is a being and not a beast. Right. I think that's how I would categorize it if I were in charge of this. So it's just really frustrating to me that they bothered to create this new edition of this book with new creatures and yet still not include all of them. I could excuse them not including the ones that are just mentioned in passing on Pottermore or her website, but at least the ones that, like, were established in the story or, like, in the Ilvermorny story as kind of, like, an official thing... Jackalope. There's so much interesting, like, rich stuff to have here. 
Why not include it? It's not that long. You only, like, do one or two paragraphs for each creature. I'll write it for you. That's fine. It's not like it's that much work. I know you're a busy woman, but if you're going to do it, do it right. (laughs) Or don't do it at all. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So I understand for the first one because the series was still being written and she couldn't foresee everything. And the Fantastic Beast movies weren't even a thing at the time. Like, she didn't know that was going to happen. But now, why hold back? If it's so that they can include new content in future editions, that's cheap and lazy. And it'll only get harder and harder to explain within the book why suddenly there are new creatures that were already known about that weren't included before but are now being included. This is supposed to be, like, the definitive, comprehensive guide to magical creatures. You know, maybe not that specific into each one because there are other books that talk about, you know, just dragons or whatever. But it's supposed to be, like, the guide to all magical creatures so that the Wizarding World will know about them and not kill them. And they don't include them all. So what happens if someone comes across a swooping evil? They're not going to react to it the way they should because they don't know what it is because Newt's commander hasn't written about it. They actually might be a little bit more sympathetic towards it, not knowing that it's called the swooping evil. I think that kind of discredits the... Okay, maybe that was a bad example. (laughs) (laughs) A jackalope, then. Yeah! (laughs) Like, yeah, and the brevity of the entries I understand because, you know, it's a short little textbook, but, I mean, if that was a school textbook and you were (laughs) using it for class... So I didn't teach you much. What are you going to test on out of that? Uh-oh. Not much. I, it is for, I mean, 11-year-olds. You have to remember that they're young, and it's fine. That's true. But it really bothers me. I'm sorry, Mallory, that it did not live up to your wildest expectations. It's, a, again, a mixed bag of feelings because right. it is very beautiful, it and is. the stuff that they did put in I like, and right. it's interesting, and I'm glad that I have it, but I wish that they had included the other creatures, and I don't understand why they didn't. It doesn't seem very well thought out. I just now noticed that J.K. Rowling put her name on the front of this book. Yeah! I didn't even... I didn't notice that before either. And it's not on the first edition. Nope, not at all. At the top, it says J.K. Rowling, and then the bottom, it says by Newt Scamander. Can you pass me the other one? Yes. Let's see. Her name isn't on it at all. Oh, in the very back. J.K. Rowling and Scholastic have arranged for 20% of the retail sales price, whatever. Yeah. That's it. On the spine of the new one, it just says Newt Scamander. But... Doesn't say obscurest books. Nope. That's sad. I like that. It still does mention the obscurest books in the intro to the book, which they left unchanged. Yeah, pretty much every other section of this book they left unchanged, which it also kind of bugged me that they didn't change any of the other creatures' entries because I feel like they should have included the thing about the Akami changing size to fit the Uh, space because that seems pretty... Basic important information to know about this creature. <laughs> yeah. Like if you're expecting a tiny little thing and all of a sudden it's filling up like an entire ballroom, uh. Uh, you're going to be a little surprised. So I have some keys, but overall it's it's a nice book. It's quite a student's edition and they get more and more information as they go along. <laughs> That's it. Sure. We're going to get Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them 2 next, movie and book. That's what's going to happen. I mean, the For problem... Second years. Yeah, there you go. The problem that I have is the same problem I have with everything, which is that I just want the full-on encyclopedia with every detail, complete (laughs) information, like 800 pages. It's this. I mean, it's the same reason we've all wanted Hogwarts of history, and it's all we want. Yeah, we just want everything. We just want an encyclopedia. Doesn't even have to be in story format. I don't know. I like that we have a book and that she is updating it, but I have no big strong 
feelings about this book. I didn't even buy it. I don't even know if I will. <laughs> like, <laughs> as the original, and for me, that's enough. But maybe if I start really falling in love with the movie series, then I'll be more inclined to buy it. But for now, it's just sort of been... I mean, since you've already seen the stuff that's in this one, if I were you, I would wait and get the illustrated one, because that's going to have pictures. That's true. That's very true. So that'll be cooler. Right. If you're going to have a different edition. Right, right. So, the Fensive... Uh, yeah, well, listeners have said since last episode. Um, first, just a quick little shout-out to Danielle for her nice feedback. Just started listening and told us she really likes it, so thanks for that. Our resident historian, Marin, in response to the ep- last episode's question that I put out about wizarding prisons, reminded us that Mundungus Fletcher, who is a known thief and has been caught on multiple occasions, only went to Azkaban once when he was impersonating an inferior. <laughs> oh, which, oh, my gosh. Oh, no. <laughs> So there must be some other prison or method of punishment that they use for the less uh-huh. grievous crimes. We uh-huh. just don't know what they are. Mariah um, also suggested that Alcatraz could be a wizarding prison. Um, she cited the San Francisco fog, which could be created by dementors. I love that theory. That's a really cool idea. Head cannon. And it fits in it. perfectly with the whole canon that she's created where, you know, any magical place is charmed to look to muggles like abandoned sites and whatever. So you could still All go on an Alcatraz tour. Going into like this huge prison <laughs> and just like touring around and taking pictures and, like unknowingly. <laughs> Meanwhile, right like, there, there's a wizard that's like, uh, <laughs> go away. Interesting. Mariah also replied to our discussion of nature versus nurture within the books, pointing out that Harry himself would probably want to believe in the influence of a person's nature over their environment because of his parents being good people and the Dursleys being not being good people, but he was raised by by the Dursleys. So maybe one of the reasons that the books lean in that direction is because the books are from his perspective. I think J.K. Rowling also just has her own opinions on that, but it is a nice idea that and reminder yeah. that Harry probably would take that perspective. That's true. Just because of the way he was raised. Right, yeah. It makes sense. Good theories. Um, and lastly, for the 20th anniversary of Harry Potter, I put out a little note. We're doing a drawing for people to win a house scarf made by me. So oh. here are the winners. Um, Kai Bowen of Slytherin and Sabrina at Neverland Nook of Hufflepuff. So I will privately message you both and make the scarves. Yay. <laughs> and get them to you. Congrats. Yay. <laughs> All right, so that's a wrap for today. Um, if you guys want to find us, we are on Twitter at Newtcasts. With an S. With an S at the end. Facebook.com slash Newtcast. Anything you have to say about this new edition of the book, anything you have to say about Cursed Child, um, the kiss that apparently happened but maybe only <laughs> happened on the cheek, um, <laughs> literally anything Harry Potter related or Wizarding World related, we would love to hear from you. Going into the next few episodes, we don't have strict plans right now. We have some ideas. But if you do have anything that you would like for us to talk about or discuss, give so us a shout. Our way. Bye. Bye. <laughs>